The lesson I want to give is the lesson I'm going to give this morning is not something that I composed myself. It's not something that I came up with myself. It's a topic that I've always been kind of interested in, and I came upon the lesson, and so I kind of embellished it in my own way, and I hope that I uh, do the lesson justice. What I want to start off with is uh, a couple of scriptures. Uh, Acts 10 and verse 34 and it reads so Peter opened his mouth and said truly I understand that God shows no partiality and then another really short verse in Romans chapter 2 verse 11 which covers the same territory. It simply says, for God shows no partiality. Um, for the most part, I think I'm older than almost everybody here. Maybe there's a couple of people that, that have me by a few years or a couple of years. I know James has got me by a couple of years. Um, so my experiences are going to be different than you guys' experiences. And I'm a baby boomer. You guys are basically millennials for the most part. There's some Gen X in here. Um, and there's a kind of a colloquial saying that the more things change, the more they stay the same. And I, I, you know, I think that's true. The same kind of things that I went through when I was younger that helped me grow the experiences that kind of, uh, kind of like helped me mature. Um, you're going through the same thing. They just kind of represent themselves in a different, different way. Um, in all my life, I've never really gotten uh, why people are prejudiced. I never really understood why people would dislike somebody because of something superficial, a superficial attribute, um, where they came from, uh, their background the race. I, I, I never really understood that, but it's there. It's out there. It's always been there, it seems like. And today, in the 21st century, it just seems to be manifesting itself a little bit differently than uh, it did maybe back in 1968, 1975. Uh, but it's all the same thing. Um, one of the ways in which people are partial, show partiality to other people, or you know, show prejudice to other people, uh, is through culture and religion. And one of the most well-known uh, way is anti-Semitism. 
uh, as I said before, I, I mean, I, I grew up in a town that was uh, a lot of anti-Semitism going on. Um, and oddly enough, they used the Bible, the scriptures, to kind of justify their thinking. And uh, how they did that was, uh, and I heard, you know, more than one time that, uh, well, the Jews killed Christ. The Jews killed Jesus. Okay? And that's why we don't like them. Um, so, what I want to talk about today is uh, who killed Jesus. Okay? If you remember, um, you might not remember, but towards the turn of the, the new millennium back in you know, 2006, there was a movie that came out. Um, it was uh, like produced, it might have even been directed by Mel Gibson. Uh, it's called The uh, Passion of Christ. Now, I never saw the movie. There was a lot of talk about it, and uh, a lot of people who considered themselves evangelicals got behind it. And uh, It was said that it was uh, kind of basically centered on what we, what David just talking about a few minutes ago, Lord's Supper, that Jesus being executed, what he went through for us. And it was showed in graphic, really graphic, it was really graphic. There was also whispers that it was a little bit anti-Semitic. Now, I don't, like I said, I can't, I don't know, I didn't, I didn't see the movie, so I'm not going to sit there and say yes or no. Um, but some of the things that I read about it was that they made the uh, Jewish people, uh, the priests, and, and uh, the people who were, were the accusers of Jesus, uh, they made them out to be almost monsters. Whereas the Romans, like Pontius Pilate, uh, they cast, uh, what I understand, like this handsome Hollywood actor and tried to make him likable or neutral. So if anybody's has seen the film, if, if that's the case, I mean, there's just some things that I read about it that had some anti-Semitic overtones. Um, people tend to use the scriptures to, put, to, to uh, place Jesus' death at the feet of the Jewish people. Okay, is that true? Or is that false? That's what I kind of want to examine a little bit this morning. So, let's look at the Romans. Uh, they were involved. Okay? So, if you look at the Jewish people, I think we understand that they had no power in and of themselves to execute anybody. We've all studied the Gospels and uh, the Jews themselves had no power. The they didn't have the political authority to uh, execute anybody. Um, 
so we know that the Romans officially gave the orders to crucify Jesus. So I want to read here from James uh, 18, verses 28 through 31. I'm going to let the Bible speak for itself. I mean, I'm going, you know, I'm going to let, let the Bible, more, let more of the Bible, less of me, more of the scriptures, less of me. In John 18, 28 through uh, 31, it says, They took Jesus from Cephas to Pilate's headquarters. These are the priests, these are the, 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 the Jewish uh, people. It was early in the morning. They themselves did not enter the headquarters so as to avoid ritual defilement and to be able to eat Passover. So Pilate went out and said to them, What accusation do you bring against this man? And they answered, If this man were not a criminal, he would not have, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. And the Jews replied, We are not permitted to put anyone to death. So the Jews, they knew, and it's, 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 it's documented here in the scriptures that they weren't, they, they weren't allowed to put anyone to death. Uh, it was Pilate, the Romans, who gave the orders uh, for Jesus to be crucified. And in John 19, 16, it says, Then they handed him over to be crucified. So they, meaning the Romans, took Jesus. And the Romans also carried out the actual crucifixion. Um, I'm going to be in John 19 here. Again, so much, there's a, a, a few scriptures that I want to read from here. It was the Romans who carried out the crucifixion. Um, in verses 17 and 18 of John 19. And carrying the cross by himself, he went out to what is called the place of the skull, which in Hebrew is called Golgotha, and they crucified him. And him with two others on either side, with Jesus between them. And in verse 23, And when the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four parts, one for each soldier. They also took his tunic. Now the tunic was seamless and woven in one piece from the top. And then moving down to verse 31. Since it was the, since it was the day of preparations, the Jews did not want the bodies left on the cross during the Sabbath, especially because that Sabbath day was the day of great solemnity. So they asked Pilate to have the legs of the crucified man broken and the bodies removed. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and then of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once blood and water came out. And then in verse uh, 38, and after these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, through a, though a secret one, because of his fear of the Jews, asked Pilate to let him take away the body of Jesus. Pilate gave permission, so he came 
and remove the body. So what these scriptures point out here that everything that was done was ran through Pilate, ran through the Romans. The Romans basically were the ones that executed Jesus with the consent of the Jews. But the Romans were the ones who carried it out. Now, how I look at this is I look at the Romans as representing uh, if we studied scripture back in those days there were the Jews who were God's people and then there were the Romans, there were the Gentile world were God's people the Gentile world the Romans represent the Gentile world they represent those of us who are not Jewish. The Jews represent who they were. Okay? So, we're all responsible, in a sense, for Jesus' death. And we're going to get into a little, I'm going to get into a little bit, uh, a little bit later, on a spiritual realm, talking about that a little bit. But we're all responsible, the Jews and the Gentiles. But Jesus himself, when he was put, uh, on the place of greater responsibility someplace else, in um, John 19, verses 10 and 11, this is what Jesus says. Pilate therefore said to him, Do you refuse to speak to me? Do you not know that I have the power to release you and the power to crucify you? And Jesus answered him, you would have no power over me unless it was given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. So, Pilate himself thought he was the one totally in charge. Okay, He was the one that was going to make the decisions. He was Jesus' life and death was in his hands. That's what he thought. But Jesus is telling him, no. You would have, wouldn't have any power at all unless that power you know, was given to you. And he says, not only that, those that delivered me into your hands uh, bear the greater responsibility. So who were the ones that delivered Jesus into the hands of Pilate or delivered Jesus into the hands of the Romans? It was the Jews. Okay, So Jesus is saying they bear a greater responsibility. But you're not saying they were totally responsible. Okay? And we're going to look at that here to show that they, they weren't totally responsible. They were the ones who delivered Jesus to Pilate. Um, and they essentially forced Pilate to have Jesus crucified. They were adamant about it. Okay? They also wanted Pilate to take responsibility for something they wanted done. So you remember when Pilate says, I'm going to wash my hands in this whole situation? Well, the Jews actually wanted Pilate to take responsibility so they could kind of like wash their hands. Of it. Nobody wanted their hands dirty here. They, they, they wanted the, the deed done, but nobody really wanted to take responsibility for it. And um, in Matthew... Uh, 27 verses 20 through, through 25 
it says, Pilate said to them, Then what should I do with Jesus who was called Messiah? All of them said, Let him be crucified. Then he asked, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Let him be crucified. So when Pilate saw that he could do nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took some water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. Then the people, then the people as a whole answered, His blood be on us and on our, on our children. So when Pilate decided he was going to wash his hands of the whole thing, he said, I don't want anything to do with this. Then the Jews finally said, well, okay. We'll take responsibility. We can't. We can't force you to take responsibility for it. We can't force you to crucify this man. Um, so let his blood be on, on us. Do what you have to do. Paul, the apostle, some speculate might have been among the group that wanted Jesus crucified. And um, what does he say in First Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, verses 14 and 15? He says, For you, brothers and sisters, be, became imitators of the churches of God in Jesus Christ that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own compatriots as they did from the Jews who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out. They displeased God and opposed everyone. So Paul here is, is, is laying uh, some responsibility for Jesus' death at the feet of the Jews. And of course, maybe at his own feet. For he might have been there. And we, we know that when he was Saul, before he, his name changed, he became Paul. That he was a great persecutor of Christians, and so uh, you're persecuting Christians. You're persecuting Jesus Christ. Okay. And when Jesus struck Paul blind on the road, he, he said, "Paul, why do you persecute me?" So Paul understood this. Peter in Acts, the second chapter, and uh, verses 22 and 23. It says, You that are Israelites, listen to what I have to say. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with deeds of power, wonders and signs that God did through him among you, as you yourselves know, this man handed over to you according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hand of those outside the law. So Peter's kind of putting it here kind of succinctly. He's saying, you crucified and killed, meaning the Jews, by the hands of those outside the law. You use the Romans. Okay. So both the Romans and the Jews are culpable in Jesus' death. They were basically instruments 
okay, that God used. Because Jesus uh, was delivered to the Romans by the foreknowledge of God. Okay, the the, the scripture that Josh read uh, to start our worship service off this morning, where Jesus was in the garden praying, you know, that if this cup, you know, if, we, if I don't have to go through this, let this cup pass over me. But he says, your will, not my will. So we know it's God's will. It was God's will that Jesus uh, die, Jesus be sacrificed. The Jews and the Romans were but instruments to carry out God's will. And we also know that the Romans and the Jews did not realize the extent of their sin or what they were doing. In Luke 23, uh, verses 33 through 34. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus. There with the criminals one on the right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide, divide his clothing. So he's saying, Father, forgive them. They, they, they don't know what's going on. They don't know that they're killing the Messiah. They don't know that they're crucifying uh, the Son of God. They were more concerned with who's going to get his, his clothes. They are casting lots to find out who, who, who would take one. You have something really spiritual happening on one hand and then something very material happening on the other hand. <clears throat> so, I think we've established that the Jews alone were not responsible for the death of Jesus. The Romans were also culpable. But we're also seeing here that it was God's will. So, did God kill Jesus? Was it God? Okay, using the Jews, using the Romans. Okay. Let's read Matthew 26. All right. Verses 26 through 28. <clears throat> and while they were eating, Jesus took a loaf of bread. And after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup and after giving thanks, to him, giving thanks, he gave it to them saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus shed his blood for the forgiveness of sins. Okay. His sacrificial death was for the sins of us all. And this was prophesied in Isaiah uh, chapter 53, verses 4 through 6, when Isaiah says, Surely he was born of our infirmities and carried out our diseases, yet... We accounted him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. 
but he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole, and by his bruises we are healed. We are like sheep gone astray. We have all turned away to our own way, and the Lord has laid has laid on him the iniquity of all of us. So it's become a little bit clearer now that we're, we're kind of we're all responsible for the death of Jesus. He was killed for our sins. The Jesus and the Jews, or excuse me, the Romans and the Jews were instruments. Uh, they bore responsibility, but they were instruments uh, that God used, and and they were sinful people. Okay, so he used sinful people. Uh, we're going to be about their own devices, you know. He used that. Um, so we're all guilty and must bear the responsibility of Jesus' death. And that, that's important, because then you can't sit back and say, well, Jesus died because of a certain group of individuals, okay? And that makes us better, because we're not, you know, we don't have to, we're not responsible for that. So we're a little bit purer, you know, we're a little bit cleaner. Okay, we're a little bit more righteous, so to speak. And what do we have because of the death of, uh, of Jesus? Forgiveness, right? We all can be forgiven now. Um, when Peter spoke on the, on the day of Pentecost, he was offering that forgiveness for the, to those people. He was saying that you're responsible. You're responsible. And maybe some of them weren't even there. Maybe they weren't even there when Jesus was crucified. They could have been on the road somewhere. Okay? But they were in the audience on, on Pentecost when Peter spoke. And he's saying, you're all responsible for Jesus' death. And Scripture says they were pricked in their hearts. And they were sorry. They were deeply wounded by it once they understood what they had done and the extent of uh, how they lived their lives, you know, that God had to do this. And, you know, they said, you know, what can we do about it? And that's when Jesus says, repent and be saved. Because now you have the opportunity because Jesus died. Jesus sacrificed, you have the opportunity for that now. You didn't have that before. So, who killed Jesus? We all did. We all bear the responsibility because of our, because of our sin, because of our guilt. And that's, in, that's important because if you don't understand, that's the first step in under, you know, understanding uh, about Christianity and wanting to become a Christian, wanting to have uh, the guilt and the stain from your life taken away. I've known people who they get baptized for different reasons. I mean, I think that's the whole thing we talk about, some denominational things, uh, some churches, 
baptize you uh, membership into a church. Okay? I know people have gotten baptized because they liked the person who was teaching them and they wanted to please the person who was teaching them. Okay? Some people were baptized because they felt guilty and they felt, you know, I want to make a change. But they didn't really understand all the, you know, they didn't understand what they needed to do, how their guilt would be washed away and the changes they had to make uh, in their lives. Okay? I have to actually make a change myself. It's not just somebody, you know, somebody changes me without my participation. Okay? So there's a lot of reasons. It's important to know that we're all responsible for Jesus dying. And once we understand that, we can move forward and uh, become, you know, productive Christians, knowledgeable Christians. Uh, at least we have the, the, the bedrock to be able to do that. Okay? Um, in Hebrews 6, 6, I just have a couple more scriptures I'm going to be done. Um, oh, I know what I wanted to talk about here. Jesus was crucified once. We talked about who Jesus was responsible for Jesus' crucifixion. Can Jesus be crucified again? Okay. He was crucified. He was taken down from the cross. He was buried. He rose from the dead and he ascended. Can Jesus be uh, crucified again? And this is what Roman or Hebrews 6 6 talks about. For it is responsible, resp impossible to restore again to repentance those who have once been enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away. Since on their own they are crucifying the Son of God and holding him up to contempt. So the way we live and the way our hearts are, we can again and again crucify Jesus. So I think the question maybe this morning that we want to take away, are we crucifying Jesus? And we can be crucified again, or are we? Are we doing that? So, people can do that by living in unrepentant sin. We don't want to do that. Um, we need to be constantly, we're not perfect people. Okay? This is another thing that was kind of hard for people to understand it's kind of sometimes I don't get it myself as well that we're not perfect we sin okay but we're also uh, saved okay to me it's kind of because I've talked to people who are Christians and 
sometimes it's hard for them to come up with that they're sinners. I mean, they, they, they attend worship services on a regular basis. Uh, they don't do obvious types of sin. You know, they're not out carousing. They're not out committing uh, adultery or fornication. They're not out robbing banks. They're not out trying to hurt people. You know, so they don't. What kind of sins are we are we committing? Okay, and there's subtle sins. There's, you know, there's there's subtle. But God says that we we're not perfect. We're not going to be perfect until He makes us perfect. Okay. So we are sinners. Okay, so what we have to do is constantly, as what Paul says, pray all the time. If you're praying, asking for forgiveness, and studying Scripture so we understand uh, what kind of people we're supposed to be. And also, we want to be examples when we go out in our everyday lives. And I've, I've mentioned this before that uh, we don't know who's watching us. We don't know who's observing us. You know, and so we always—it's not like it's not like we're putting on some sort of an act. It's just the way we live. Eventually, it becomes who you are, and I think that's kind of like well, the, the point we want to get. Where as Christian people, it's, it's who we are. Okay, we're not constantly thinking about it. All right. Um, and I think when we talk about our our, our learning uh, goals and our living goals, uh, becoming partakers of the divine nature, as we become partakers of the divine nature, that's eventually who we are. That's what we want to become. Okay. Um, and of course, our living goal obtaining and increasing the divine nature to be fruitful. Uh, being fruitful, what is that? You know, people watching us and, 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 and noticing something, not maybe not obviously different. I'm not saying it's got to be something obvious. It's subtly different. Kind of a contentment, a happiness, a peacefulness. Okay. Um, and I'm going to stop here. Um.